Are you a developer or conversational designer looking to excel in the latest AI platforms? Or maybe you're in marketing looking for the latest in audio branding and customer engagement. Or maybe you're a startup, a business owner, an investor, or simply want to know about the future of voice technology. Then Voice Summit held in Newark, New Jersey this July is for you. Get your ticket at voicesummit.ai. That's voicesummit.ai. We can't wait to hear your voice and meet you at the conference. In this week's episode, James Poulter speaks with Emerson Sklar, the Director of Voice Services at the testing and quality platform Applause, one of this year's Voice 19 sponsors. Emerson heads the team's solutions for voice testing, working with enterprise brands to help them improve their voice experiences through testing with real people in real time. In this discussion, James and Emerson discuss whether we are seeing new design frameworks emerge in the voice space and the power of knowing your customer when designing for voice. So I am joined today by Emerson Sklar, who is the head of voice solutions. I think I'm getting that right at applause. Emerson, thanks so much for taking the time to speak to us on this week's episode of Inside Voice. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. And just tell us a little bit more about what your role is, how it came to be, and where does applause sit in this kind of whole voice first marketplace? Sure, absolutely. So uh, like you had said, I'm the director of voice solutions here at Applause. So what that means is I work with uh, the broader team here at Applause to figure out what the best ways to support the growing voice market could be, either very mature or potentially very immature organizations that we work with. At Applause, we have thousands of customers, predominantly on the traditional web and mobile side. And for the last several years, we've been working with many companies, Amazon, Google, many of the smaller secondary and tertiary players in space on trying to help them optimize some of their voice experiences. Historically, we helping companies, again, on, on the web and mobile side, historically leveraging this notion of crowdsourced quality of testing real people in the wild. And I saw over the last several years that it had a natural fit for optimizing some voice experiences. The fact that we have hundreds of thousands of people across every demographic, psychographic, acoustic characteristics that real people might actually have really does lend itself to some of the complexity in the voice space. But even internal to applause, we really were not optimized for some of the nuances that voice provides. The, the fact that test cases are nearly infinite, that the complexity of testing is nearly infinite compared to web and mobile. The fact that while people may have these very varied ways of speaking, while they may have very varied profiles uh, and vocal profiles, that we need to find people who actually represent real customers for, for our organizations that actually speak the way that their real customers do. Um, the fact that, that Amazon and Google are making changes to these platforms constantly, and a lot of companies don't really have insight into what those changes would be. So all, all of that represented, I think, for applause, represented a, a really good opportunity to optimize our internal processes, then to be able to help companies optimize their voice development lifecycle. And so that's, that's where I and, and my team come in, is taking some of those best practices that we've seen from the industry, taking some of the best practices that we've learned from some of these companies that we work with, and helping to spread that for the, the betterment of everyone's voice development. Let's dig into that a little bit more because it's really fascinating about the differences you mentioned there between testing and uh, learning about uh, the quality of an experience, say from web or mobile, and the difference that that has in voice. 
have you guys, through all the different projects that you've been testing with clients, began to detect any major ways that we need to adapt our testing methodology for voice that is unique to, say, web or a mobile app? Absolutely. So unlike in web and mobile, where you can have an, an internal team, or you can have an outsourced team that can reasonably execute test cases, can reasonably interact with your experience in the way that a real customer would. Brett Kinsella has a good uh, has a good anecdote that like everybody's thumbs look the same. And so if I'm trying to test a mobile app, you're trying to test a mobile app, we can all interact with it pretty similarly. But in voice, the characteristics of someone's voice, that natural conversational way of interacting is vital to the experience. And so I can't test it the same way that you could test it, the same way that somebody in Texas or somebody in Boston could test it. All, all of those interactions are going to be very, very different, very much depending on the device, a person's personal experience, the, the acoustic environment that they're in, and the way that, that these voice apps are developed. And so I think very much lends itself to the need to have real world, what we call it, plus the in the wild testing. So that's one piece is that the, the acoustics are so, so vital, so important to the experience, it's tough to test in a lot. And it's getting infinitely more complex, right, as well, because we're seeing so many people now bring out new device classes. We're thinking about in-car, we're thinking about out in the wilds, as you say, you know, whether that's integrated into other interfaces. So if someone's coming to a pause and wants to try these experiences, what could they expect in terms of working with you guys to actually be able to do that? That's a nice thing about having hundreds of thousands of people is that we have every combination of device, operating system, local, native, or non-native language. We have every possible combination of those that a company could possibly want and could need access to. And so you don't have to have in a lab or in a facility somewhere, you don't have to try and maintain the 10 different Echo devices and the 50 different Google Home devices and all the smart TVs, and all the automobiles. You don't have to try and maintain all of those devices because we have your real existing customers today who already own those devices themselves. So it, it drastically, that provides a, a pretty significant cost savings for many organizations beyond just obviously the people and time savings of being able to scale this type of testing out very, very rapidly and very widely to be able to quickly get people results back. So let's dig into a little bit of what does it mean to test a voice experience in this space? Obviously, we're checking for, I suppose, UX and differences in experience, but we're also talking a lot about actually the quality of a voice that's either recorded audio or even the experience of, say, the Alexa or Google Assistant device. How do you guys begin to separate out where things are falling down? Because I would imagine that for many people, the reason something is broken isn't necessarily because the product is broken, but because their experience of the, the system is broken. How do you identify the differences? Sure. And one thing I like to say is that customers don't compartmentalize quality. And so a lot of times the user is not going to know if it's a problem with the Alexa voice service, if their device is broken, or if the skill that you deploy to the device doesn't work. They're not going to know. They're just going to know it doesn't work and they're just going to be frustrated. So we have three different custom-tailored services that we provide all under the notion of driving towards optimal voice quality, all, all under sort of the umbrella of this overall voice service that we provide. The first is what we call dialogue verification. So it's not finding a professional tester, because oftentimes professional testers sound a certain way. They're going to interact with the voice experience a certain way. So it's not finding a professional tester, but it's finding somebody who is a perfect representation of a particular profile that your real users might represent. So in the US, 
In North American English, there are generally agreed about seven North American English accents plus Canadian. So finding people who have the perfect representations of those accents across ages, across genders, potentially across where they grew up. So even if their accent isn't a perfect representation of someone who stayed in an area, if they moved from the deep south again to, to Boston or something, how that could impact their voice. It's finding those people across a, a broad range of other characteristics that will influence their voice and having them speak to these devices, again, across any of the devices that your your voice app might be supported on and capturing what they said, capturing the results from the voice platform, capturing details, logs, things that help the developers go back and troubleshoot. In that case, they're not trying to find bugs necessarily. They're trying to find, are there interesting trends? Are there things that we can identify where it doesn't support a particular market that's meaningful to our brand? And so a a good example of that, we worked with a major North American sports company. And we did some dialogue verification across dozens of participants in each of these different accent categories. And we found that in the markets where this sport is most popular, there was more than one, sometimes more than two standard deviation, worse ASR and NLU failure rate than in markets where the sport is not popular. You might sit back and say, okay, well, like that's not my problem. That's Alexa's problem or that's Google's problem. There's nothing I can do about it. But it's pretty interesting that then when we, when we start to dive in, we can see that specific intents that these people might try and exercise, specific built-in sample utterances that they might try and speak. The voice platform reliably misunderstands people with certain accents in a common way. So it reliably mistranslates some of the words that they are saying. And so as a developer, you can go and take that and say, okay, well, if I hear this, what would potentially be gibberish, you know, if I, if I hear this stuff that is improperly translated, you can go and reroute, you can go and assign that so that it has the right result at the end of the day. And again, your, your customer is not going to know, oh, Alexa heard me say X, but I really said Y, because it gives you the result for what you intended. That's interesting because are you saying actually that customers who are working with you who are learning these different models and failure rates and where the utterances are breaking down, are they actually helping the platforms themselves get smarter as well? Is that data being fed back or yeah, how aware are Amazon and Google that these problems are beginning to exist now? Yeah, that's pretty interesting. I mean, we, we do for a lot of companies who are making their own voice platforms, we do a separate component, somewhat superficially similar, but a separate component which we call utterance collection, where we're actually helping them capture hundreds of thousands of utterances from real speakers, capture that data on the back end to help build new voice models. And so in, in some cases, they are very aware. In some cases, they know, hey, I need to, I want to release to a brand new market, or I see that in a particular geography in a market that I already support, that my failure rates are much higher than is otherwise acceptable. And so they can come to us and say, okay, we need... We need 500 people who split evenly between male and female, youth, adult, and elderly across these different types of native and non-native accents. We need you to go and have each of them collect 500 utterances worth of data so that we can ingest that into our, into our AI model and then do some dialogue verification, then, then do some actual testing to see how that affects it positively or negatively. So let's talk more broadly now, as you guys will see many, many voice experiences coming through the Applause platform and being tested in lots of different ways. And maybe this is a slightly leading question, but are we getting better at this? 
are these experiences actually overall in the industry getting higher in quality or are we still so early in the learning process that it's hard to make those judgments? Do you think we're getting better? I think some organizations are, certainly. A diplomatic answer, but good to know. <laughs> yeah, I think the shift that we've seen is that, and this corresponds to a different service or a different service that Applause provides meets this particular need. I think people are recognizing that whereas everybody knows pretty well what a web app should look like. Everybody knows how you lay out the buttons, what color schemes are pleasing to the eye. Same thing for mobile. Everybody knows generally what a mobile app is going to look like. And if you pick up a phone and you install a new mobile app, you can look around and and figure it out pretty quickly because they all follow these common themes. I think people don't yet totally know how a voice app should look, obviously not look, but people don't totally understand that and consumers don't totally understand that. And so what we have seen a lot of companies embracing is a much greater need for capturing customer feedback. The way that we do it, again, using real people, not trying to find a professional tester, although we do have professional voice testers, but finding somebody, if we're testing an educational experience, finding somebody who is a stay-at-home mom and has children between the ages of six and 10 to sit down and actually interact with one of these voice experiences and then capture their feedback in a structured fashion, letting them interact with it in a more natural exploratory fashion, but capturing their feedback in a structured fashion led by one of our voice and usability experts internal to applause. And so we find fascinating insight from that. Really every cycle we do dozens of these cycles every day for customers. Each time we find just fascinating pieces of insight. And so I think that the companies that we work with that are successful are the ones that really rapidly recognize the value that capturing in the wild feedback from your real customers can bring, and then are receptive to implementing some of that feedback, even if the feedback is, is not that positive. I mean, you know, unfortunately, not every skill that is out there today, not every action is a five-star skill or action. I think you may be drastically overstating the amount of five-stars that are out there. I think we've all tried a bad one, right? Right. But rather than, I mean, some companies will say, okay, well, you know, we have five-star mobile apps. So obviously the customer doesn't understand or, or the industry, just the voice industry in general is not ready yet. I think the, where people see great value and then help themselves get to a five-star voice app is really by listening to those customers and not being afraid to admit when... You know, when maybe the initial expectations were off, when maybe what we as developers, we as voice professionals, when we're so close to it, oftentimes we're not the best judge of what's really going to resonate with a particular user, with somebody who has these particular characteristics. So maybe just as we begin to think about the future and where things are going, are we seeing some standardized frameworks? Are we seeing some standard interaction models? You know, we often talk in in mobile, for example, about we all know what the hamburger icon means, right? Those three little lines, it took a number of years, but we all know what that is. We know what a back button looks like, you know, swipe down to refresh. These are kind of common UX experiences that we've now began to, you know, kind of adopt and no one thinks about anymore. We just put them in our products and off we go and consumers know how to use them. Are we at the point where we're beginning to see those commonalities emerge for voice across different experiences? On the one hand, I think people are starting to recognize some very, very basic common threads, things like not overwhelming your user, like providing them with simple to consume, easy to access understanding about what functionality is available to them. So helping to increase discoverability. 
I don't think, though, the general voice UX, I don't think has solidified in the same way that web and, and mobile have. I think it's partly due to the investment that, or the comparative lack of investment that a lot of companies are making. So there are some fantastic voice-first organizations. Um, I'm, I'm going to be presenting at the Voice Summit with someone from American Red Cross, and American Red Cross made a significant investment and has had fantastic results with their voice-first experiences. But we see, because we work with hundreds of enterprise companies, both in the traditional web mobile and on the voice side, we see giant enterprise companies that would spend an incredible amount of money on their web and mobile applications and maybe think that they're spending an incredible amount of money on their voice applications. But the delta there between those types of platforms is really, really wide. That, that gap is huge. And so that was interesting when Adobe released a few months ago, they released that report where they interviewed hundreds of enterprises and 94% or something said that either they are making a significant investment in voice. And it, it makes me wonder, like, how are they judging that they're putting the right foot forward, especially when, again, that a lot of those best practices haven't been defined yet, when, when people haven't quite totally figured it out. And I think we see that every day here at Vixen Labs, you know, kind of my company, we work in building these skills and actions with customers all the time. Everyone wants a benchmark. Everyone wants to know, hey, how well is my thing doing compared to everybody else's? And I think we are too early in the space to have those true benchmarks because the use cases are so nuanced and individual. But I think platforms like yours and others, I think we always say the best data that you can have on an experience is your data because you know what's actually working and what's not in your experience. And I think that trying to judge against others is too early. Am I right in saying that? Or do you think we are getting to a place where we could actually begin to score things against one another, some kind of quality ranking or index? I think there are simple, simple types of quality when from just a, a pure usability standpoint, is your conversational model designed in such a way that it supports the common ways of speaking the phrases that you support, the common ways, common configurations or combinations of ways that people might say, might invoke an intent that you have implemented. So something like that is easy for an individual or an individual company to objectively measure, but difficult to compare to other organizations. But then from a more subjective type quality thing, I think it is a real struggle to have those comparisons. There's a, a really interesting retail company that we work with that has a daily affirmation built into their skill. A traditional retail company, you can say, hey, give me a daily affirmation. They'll say, you know, oh, you look great or have a wonderful day or, or something like that. And at first I thought, you know, that's a, an interesting, silly thing to build into a skill. I don't know that I would necessarily use it, but okay, that's an interesting thing. This is one of those like those fascinating insights we can get with real people. We tested with the people who are their real diehard fans, the people who represent for this organization a significant amount of the revenue that they generate. And those people loved it. I don't match those demographics that I shop at this company, not as much as one of these diehard fans. It's like That's an example of them really, really accurately knowing who their customers are. And so if I tried to compare that to an automotive brand or to somebody else, you know, that, that same type of interaction might fall on deaf ears. Uh, that, that same type of interaction might not work in other industries, or it might. And, and again, like for that company, like the only way that you can really know if it works or not, the only way you can know if it resonates or not is by testing with those real people. And so I suppose that just comes back to knowing exactly who you're building this thing for in the first place, right? Exactly. 
Exactly that. Well, Emerson, this was a really helpful insight into what it means to test voice experiences. I'm sure people are going to want to find out more about how they can do that. So if they want to get in touch with Applause, obviously you're going to be at Voice Summit. You guys are coming along again this year. They're going to be very present there. But if people want to get in touch beforehand or afterwards, where can they go to get in touch with yourself and also with Applause? Yeah, fantastic. We will have a, a big booth at Voice Summit. And if people would like to learn more, they can just go to www.applause.com. Nice and easy. Okay, thanks so much for taking the time to spend with us today on this week's episode of Inside Voice. And we look forward to seeing you in Newark from the 22nd of July for this year's Voice Summit. Great. Yeah, thank you very much.